Red Sea Rules starts a week from today. And I want to go ahead and invite you to study Exodus 12 through 17 this week. Jot that down, Exodus 12 through 17. We're going to be looking at that unbelievable passage of Scripture where God leads his people through the Red Sea. And we're going to go to school on what the Old Testament teaches us about going through difficult times. Because here's the deal. The same God who led us into it, come on now, will lead us out of it. And I love how Caleb just talked about what is your it? And I love that song that we've been singing. Something's got to break. And uh, I don't know if you uh, can resonate with that. I know I surely can. Our staff, we've been talking about that song recently a lot and how we know that God wants to break things in us before he takes us to where he wants to lead us in the days ahead. Can I get an amen? Hey, we're excited that you're here today. My name is Benji. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Can I just celebrate God for just a moment? Um, I want to just honor this group over here, and this is surely not all of them, but the young adults of New Hope Church right here. They... They are led by our fearless leader, Abby, but here's what's really cool. They, they meet every other Tuesday night, so if you're between the ages of 18 and 35, okay, 18 and 35, um, not, that doesn't mean if you're 39, still living with your mom, eating Doritos in your basement. No, no, 18 to 35, and if you are, though, hey, we're glad you're here, and I love Doritos, too, by the way. Um, but I want to just honor these folks because this past Tuesday, uh, Abby spoke, and then four of these young adults shared their testimony powerfully from this stage. Can we just celebrate them and honor them? Check this out. 15 kids accepted Christ last Sunday in NH Kids. 15 kids. And uh, if you have a student between the grades of 6th and 12th, uh, they meet on Wednesday nights up in the Student Ministry Center. That ministry is just up and to the right as students are coming back. So we're just really excited, and we can sense that it is a great season, and the momentum is building as we get into this fall. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, um, I want to talk to you about some signs today. Um, you know, we are a culture that is obsessed with signs. And uh, I'm sure you've noticed this. When you go to restaurants or businesses today, most of us are now trained to look at the door to read any sign that they're trying to tell us with regards to masks or anything else like that. We are into signs. Um, uh, I love signs. I've actually collected them over the years. There's a sign in Lincoln City, Oregon, where the door says this, push, pull, if that doesn't work, we're closed. <laughs> in my home state of South Carolina, particularly in my hometown of Sumter, South Carolina, I remember as a kid going to the veterinarian with our Labrador retriever, and there was a sign when you entered into the vet that said this, sit, stay, and be quiet. Doctor will be with you soon. <laughs> Museum of the Rockies of Busman, Montana, a sign says this, for gas after hours, Honk once and keep your shirt on while I get my pants on. The owner obviously lived there. We've all seen this one, right? Bumper stickers. That's a way of signs. Bumper sticker. My kid is an honor roll student. Have you seen that one? Would you think less of me if I told you I like the bumper sticker that says my kid beat up your honor roll student? No, no, no. no. 
Have you seen that one though? It's a, we, we do not endorse that in church, right? We do not endorse that, but you, you've seen that one. Have you seen these around yet? We have window clings. And uh, Abby already mentioned it, but we unveiled the logo last week. Everybody's fired up about it. We have window clings. And uh, we used to do magnets. We're doing these now. Uh, grab them on your way out. We might be close to getting out. We've got more order, just like we have more shirts and hoodies and hats and all that stuff. You folks have gone bonkers over the new logo brand reveal. Way to go. But grab you one of those. I collect church signs as well. I think it would be safe to say that I therefore have ecclesiastical issues, right? Who collects church signs? Um, you're looking at him. Uh, when I was in seminary at Duke, I then got sent out to uh, pastor some churches in the western part of North Carolina, and I started noticing some church signs, and they just struck me, so I started collecting them over the years. These are true church signs. Here's one. Boring Seventh-day Adventist church. If I'm lying, I'm dying. The pastor's name was Pastor Dole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These are not made up. Here's one. How many of you came from the Baptist church? Baptist church? Got a lot of Baptist signs. I don't know why, but Baptist signs kind of, they're a trip. Here's one. Useful Baptist church. <laughs> I guess as opposed to the one down the street that they're trying to imply is not that useful. Right? Right? Baptists have a lot of splits, right? This is not pick on Baptist day, but the, uh, the, these are the signs. Here's one. Greater Second Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Greater, as if to say we are greater than the first church we split from. Little Flock Baptist Church near Jefferson City, Montana. Seven people. And they were proud of it, baby. They put it on their, <laughs> they put it on their side. Little Flock. Now, y'all know I'm from South Carolina. We just different down there. We different down there. Here's one. True sign. I saw it. Got a picture of it. Hellhole Swamp Baptist Church. Are you kidding me right now? Hell hole. <laughs> now, now, to their credit, there was a, there was a little community called Hell Hole. Um, but come on, man. You can do better than that. I, I've always liked this one. Saw this one in New York. Big Apple Chapel. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? St. John's Church. Look at the pastor's name. I'm not even kidding. Pastor's Coffin and Grave. <laughs> Love it. You know, there, there are signs. We all have signs, and churches have signs. And, and again, I, if you were here last week, you know that we brought out a brand new logo and brand reveal and all of that. And, and uh, it's just really, really exciting. And I don't know about you, but after reading a list like that, I'm really, really glad we got a church name like New Hope. Can I get an Amen. Right? I mean, it's just really, really exciting. And we've rebranded all of our ministries. So now Hopetown Children's Ministry is now NH Kids, NH Students, NH Missions, all those different areas you see them up there, NH Worship, uh, all of those. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Again, I know I have ecclesiastical issues, and so you don't think about these kinds of things, but I do. Churches not only have visible signs, churches have invisible signs. And one of the reasons why we started this church 20 years ago, just so you know, is because I visited lots of different churches. And again, don't get the wrong idea. I don't, I'm not like a guy who critiques churches and judges churches. I'm not like that. I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. But what happened to me was I got out and I started visiting a lot of churches and I started to pick up on some invisible signs that I found to be completely antagonistic to the word of God. 
Maybe you've been to some of these churches, churches that have an invisible sign, coats and ties required. Coats, ties, and dresses required, right? There's a church in Florida that I know about. If you show up, if you're a guy and you show up and you don't have a coat and tie on, they will escort your rear end to a closet in the back and fit you with a coat. It's a very serious matter. There are churches today in the 21st century that still have the invisible sign that skin color matters. And if your skin is not our color, you don't belong here. Nothing is more antagonistic to the word of God than that. You'll go to some churches and and the message will be, we will embarrass you. Meaning they will walk down the aisle and stick a microphone in your face and ask you to identify yourself. Do you know what that does to most people? Some of you are your hearts palpitating right now just thinking about it. There's the invisible sign that you see at some churches. All we're into is your money. Noses and money. We're going to count noses and money. Antagonistic to the heartbeat of God. There's the invisible sign that says there's no room for your questions in this place. You better believe what we believe. Say what we say. There's the invisible message that you do not belong here unless you Talk like us and behave like us and act like us. In other words, in case you have it all together. In case you're the perfect little religious person. And if you're not, let's put a mask on and cover that up because we're just going to all act like we are A-OK. And so 20 years ago, we decided, you know what? Hope really does matter. Hope changes everything. And because hope changes everything, We're going to put up some signs. And I don't know if you've thought about this again. Only people like me, pastors and stuff, think like this. But churches are all back like at ground zero. We're all kind of back in the church planting mode. That's what COVID did to us. And so we've made a lot of mistakes in 20 years. Let me just go ahead and say that right off the bat. I've made a lot of mistakes in 20 years. But if there's one thing that I just want to give credit where credit is due, if there's one thing that we have done right as a movement as we have declared that these invisible signs that are antagonistic to the heartbeat of the gospel will not be visible or invisible in this church. And so if it's okay with you as we come out of this season, hey, I love it. I love your heart and you hope. As we come out of this season, if it's okay with you, before we get into our fall sermon series next week, you don't want to miss it, Red Sea Rules. If it's okay with you today, I just want to talk to you about some signs that we need to make sure we put on full display. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm gonna share with you today one of the most popular passages in all of the Bible. I would dare say that one of the most popular pieces of literature in all of literature is the prodigal son. Even folks who don't know the gospel, know the church in this culture, they know about the parable of the prodigal son. Son. In Luke 15, 1 through 7, we see the passage of the parable of the lost sheep. In verses 8 through 10, we see the parable of the lost coin. And in verses 11 through 31, again, Luke chapter 15, we see this parable of the prodigal son. I see a lot of you turning it to it in your Bible. I love that. Bring your Bibles to church. If you look at it on your phone or your tablets, go ahead and turn there as well. I'm going to read verses 17 through 32. We'll not be on the screen towards, until uh, we get towards the end of it. So just lean in. And, and the problem with knowing a passage of scripture this well 
is that you can check out. There's danger in familiarity. So let me ask you to just turn your thinking caps on and say, Lord, I want to hear this passage with fresh ears today. To help us do that, let's pray together. Father, we come before your word and we declare, oh God, that it has authority in this church and authority in our lives. Father, would you take our minds today and collectively would you think through them? Would you take our hearts today and fill with them? Lord Jesus, take my lips today and speak through them. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Lord Jesus, we want your bride, as Ephesians says, we want your church to be beautiful and radiant. So help us put up the right signs for anyone and everyone who will ever come to your church or visit us online. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would you do me a favor? Would you stand in honor of God's word today? Luke 15, 17 through 32. If you love the word of the Lord, give me a strong amen. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father, what? If you're reading the word with me, his father, what? Question, why did his father see him? Exactly, he was looking for his son. His father saw him. Look at what it says. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and partay. That's the BK translation. And celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is what? Alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Look at the heart of the father. He goes to his older son as well. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. In other words, he was a good religious boy. He, was a, he, he, he did what was right. He stayed home. He didn't go out and party in the far country. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Watch this. But when this son of yours, he couldn't even call him when my brother, when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, really? 
You kill the fattened calf for him? Come on, let's read the next two verses out loud together. Go. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. You sound great. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was and is. He was what? Lost and is. May God add his richest blessings to the reading and the hearing and the applying of his word. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. So I want to just, I want to put some signs up today as we move into this fall to make sure we kind of do a heart check in the life of this church. Here's the first one. If you're a note taker, check it out. God searches for the lost. Say that with me. God searches for the lost. That's, that's the message of Luke chapter 15. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. The gospel within the gospel is what scholars have called Luke 15. In, in the three parables, back to back to back, that Jesus teaches, he talks about three lost things, and the central message of the entire chapter is that which was and is lost. Not, not suggests, not hopes, that which is lost requires an all-out search. God is ruthless in searching for lost people. And you're like, well, I don't even know if I like that whole phrase, lost people. Like, what does lost say? I don't know about that. What is that? Listen, it doesn't matter what I like. And I hate to break it to you, beloved. It doesn't matter what you like. The Bible says in the history of humanity, when it is all said and done, when a person stands before the judgment seat of Christ, there will be two groups of people. Just like the Titanic, when it was all said and done, they had, they had two groups of people listed. There was those that were lost, perished. There were those that were found and saved. And the Bible is crystal clear on this lost language. In fact, Luke 19, 10, out loud. You read scripture great earlier. Let's keep it going all day. And if you love scripture, we're gonna read a lot of scripture today. I believe one of the best things we can do when we come to church is read the word of God together. Amen? Luke 19, 10, go. Today, salvation has come to the house. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to and to what? The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came to seek and to save the lost. God is the eternal hound of heaven, if you will, as some have referred to him. And he searches in fact, the message of the prodigal son is that he's always at the, at the edge of the, of the house, the home place, if you will. If you understand the church to be God's house, get the visual of God's always at the edge of the church, looking out, waiting for those who are going to come home. God searches for the lost. Number two, oh my Lord, this is so important for us. Come as you are. Say that with me. Come as you are. One more time. Come as you are. You see, the problem with the church in the past, and again, I'm not one who judges churches. I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Don't, don't mishear me today. I love the church. I mean, I collect church signs. And I believe there's good in every church. And the church, the church has problems, and the church is, is not perfect. You know why? Because it's led by people like me. 
But one of the problems in the history of the church, particularly in the South, is that the church has communicated to people when they showed up, you better, you better clean up your act. You better look like we look. You better dress all prim and proper. You better have it all together. And, and I would tell you that's completely antagonistic to the heartbeat of the gospel. I, I said last week, and some of you like, you, I think I clarified in this celebration, I did. But I said in the first celebration, I was like, we are a church that has always said, check your mask at the door. <laughs> <laughs> now, in this day and age, people thought I was saying, check your mask. Some of you have masks on today. Are you, are you saying we don't wear masks? No, no, you can wear a mask at this church. Absolutely. But what about the mask that the church has always communicated that you need to keep on? Oh, how are you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. I'm doing just fine. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Life is a mess. You know? How you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My wife just left me yesterday. Life. No, no, no. And we've always said, no, no. Check those masks at the door. And let's make sure we are a church that communicates to the world and to one another. Come as you are. Think about the prodigal. Those of you who know the word. Where was the prodigal before he came to his senses? He was in the pigsty, remember? He, he, was, he was begging for the pea pods that the pigs were eating. Pork, aren't you glad we aren't Old Testament people anymore? Pork back in the day, pork back in the day was seen as the dirtiest animal on the planet. They didn't touch pork. Jesus is making a point. Remember, this is a parable. He's with the dirtiest of animals. He's rummaging through the pea pods, the slop that the pigs were eating. He comes to his senses. He doesn't go buy a suit. <laughs> he doesn't go take a shower. He comes to the Father dirty, nasty, desperate, at the lowest of lows. And what does the Father do? Oh, come on in, son. Come on in, son. Come as you are. Matthew 11 28, come on church, let's declare it as if to say we will not put up with that at this church. Go, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Look at Isaiah 55, 1, keep it going. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Check it out. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation twenty two seventeen. Ready? Go. The spirit and the bride say what? Come and let him who hears say, come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Come as you are. Oh my. Your friends say, I don't have a Bible. What do you say? Come as you are. My kids are acting up and I've got parental issues and I don't know how to get them out of the far country. What do you say? Come as you are. I'm having marital problems. Come as you are. I'm going through a, a, a divorce. Come as you are. I had an abortion. Come as you are. My vocational life is falling apart. What? 
come as you are. This is a no judgment zone. Everybody has some junk up in their trunk. Everybody. And so we say, come at, now don't mishear me. I'm not saying, therefore, that anything goes, really important. No, no, no. I'm just saying, this is so key, it's not your job. And it's not my job to judge people and try to clean people up. Our job is to get people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Let them come into a relationship with him so that God can clean them up. Listen, your judgmentalism, your rigid theology, if, if you're there, or mine, our, 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 our mean-spiritedness, which has sometimes permeated the church, has never worked in the first place. You know that the Bible says it is your kindness, oh God, that leads to what? Repentance. Come as you are. You folks are eating this up, and I love that about this church. This is the area where we have done well as a church. Again, we've made mistakes along the way, but oh my, I'm so proud to love and serve a people who understand this. Here, here's the third thing. Grace happens. Oh. Now, some of you have seen the bumper sticker that says something else happens. <laughs> That's why this has always been one of my favorite bumper stickers, because it's kind of like, this is a counter to that, right? You've heard that one, and no, I'm not going to say it in church. Don't worry. But you, you see it sometimes. Something else happens. But I love the bumper sticker that you, you still see it every now and then. Grace happens. Everybody say grace place. Grace happens. That's exactly what the prodigal son experienced. And even the rigid, judgmental, elderly brother, right, who couldn't stand the fact that grace was happening, what did he get from the father? He got grace too. The father went out and extended it to his older son as well. The prodigal was embraced, the older son was embraced, and people are embraced. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a what? A wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was what? Blind, but now I see. Do you know that the Bible teaches us that our passion should be to make sure no one, and I mean no one, misses the grace of God? Like you think of the, the person or the people group that you think are furthest from God. I mean, there are, some, there are some evil people on this planet. You might not like that word, but let's just, let's just call it a reality. There's demonic groups of people. You will never lock eyes or even your mind will never think about a person or a group of people that God is not searching for, that God does not want to redeem and extend his grace into their lives. Hebrews, look at how the, the writer of Hebrews puts it. Chapter 12, verse 15, ready, go. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. It's our passion that people experience the grace of God. And here's what you need to know. Everybody needs some grace. Everybody needs grace. 
Any, any golfers in the house? Any golfers? Be proud if you're a golfer. Look at the golfers up in the house. Now, I used to play golf a good bit. Um, the first time I was a student pastor, the church gave me a membership at the country club, and I played all the time with, with students, and, and um, I, I, I love golf. I don't play it anymore. I'm kind of thinking about starting back, but, but in golf, there's this thing that, that you get if you're with a gracious group of people, and it's called a mulligan. Now, a mulligan is when if you, you hit a bad shot, you know, just you shank one in the water, in the woods, or whatever, and you just, you just you don't worry about it. You just drop a ball. It's a mulligan. It's a beautiful thing. It's a do-over. Now, if you play with strict good golfers, they say, forget the mulligan. A little more gracious people will tell you you get one mulligan per 18. Other folks say, you get, you get one per nine. If you pray with me, pray with me. If you play with me, dude, you can take a mulligan every hole. I don't care. Like, I don't care. It's a do-over. Bam, I love do-overs. Jesus loves do-overs too. Come on now. The gospel loves do-overs. The gospel says, listen, you come to me. Bring me your sin. I will forgive you. I will redeem you. And again, it is his kindness that leads to repentance. You say, I've been in prison. Grace happens. You say, I've been an addict. Grace happens. I've had an abortion. Grace happens. I had a divorce or an affair. Grace happens. You've been a religious hypocrite, older son. Grace happens. Listen, grace happens. This is a grace place. And ever so often you will see this, this mean-spirited religious attitude start to seep back into the church. Let us be reminded today from this great passage of Scripture, we are a grace place where we embrace people and we receive people, whether they look like us, act like us, smell like us, live like us, we say grace happens. Look at what the word of the Lord says, Isaiah 118, come now, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it and make it as white as snow. Read this next one with me, Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Everybody say grace. Hey, read Micah. I love this verse of scripture in Micah 7, 19. Go, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl them to the depths of the sea. And I love what Corey Ten Boom said one time. Corey Ten Boom says that when God hurls your sins to the depths of the sea, he then erects a sign that says, no fishing allowed. I love that. I love that. In other words, we, we try to dredge it up, don't we? Sometimes in our own lives, sometimes in the lives of others. Grace. Grace abounds. One more, Romans 5.20. Oh, my Lord. But when What? When sin increased, come on, grace increased even more. Praise almighty God. Now, here's why this is important, church. Our theology dictates how we live out this church. Our theology, we don't think about it usually in these terms, but our theology determines our culture. And the culture of the church is so critically important if we're going to continue to reach, teach, and release. It's culture. And so if you're here today, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been into God, but you've, you've only felt like you've been able to, 
to get so close to God. And then there feels like there's this, this distance. You, you've never been able to quite close the divide. Or I don't know, maybe you've tried to pray and either when you pray, you feel like your prayers don't get beyond the ceiling. And good Lord, we've all been there, right? I have. But in, in those cases, you do one of two things. You either stop praying or you keep praying, but you never really feel like you have this connection with God. And what I'm here to let you know is there's a really good chance that you've been taught by a church, by a mom, by a dad, by grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, whatever. You've been taught some of these teachings that are religious trappings that have kept you at a distance from God. Because God is not some religious prune, not some principle who sits with a, I don't know, a ruler in his hand ready to pop your wrist. He's not some omnipotent deity that floats on the clouds, a white man with a white beard who floats on the clouds, who is mean-spirited and judgmental. He's a gracious God. He searches for the lost. And he says, hey, I know the world might tell you you better clean up your act before you come to me, but I declare come as you are. And when you do, you will receive an eternal embrace where grace happens. So I want you to just think about this theology that we're talking about today. And I'm intentionally slowing down in this moment because we want to sing a song over you. And the name of the song is titled Run to the Father. And you can stay seated and you can sing it if you want. The words will be on the screen. Or you don't have to. Just let us sing it over you. Or you can just close your eyes and just marinate in the moment. You might know the song. It's been on the radio a few times. You might close your eyes and sing along. You do whatever the Spirit of God ministers to you to do right now. But there's, there's no more powerful feature song to do in this moment after looking at Luke 15 as the prodigal ran to the Father that you and I might just sit in this moment and listen to these words, run to the Father. And when they're done, I will come back out and just share one more sign and you'll be on your way. Check it out.
had a plan from the start Your son for redemption A price for my heart And I don't have a context For that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend all I know is I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I'll run to the Father line I think it was something like this I've, I've carried this burden far too long I don't know why I just felt in that moment I didn't feel it in the last celebration but I just felt it really strong in this moment to to apologize to you on behalf of the church not New Hope but on the church universal 
I am so sorry that some churches, some pastors, some Christians, some well-meaning folks have put up religious trappings that have made you feel like you never can measure up and that you've been on this treadmill of trying to be good enough, of trying to earn it, of trying to be religious enough, whatever that means. And here's what's fascinating to me about this. This traces all the way back to the Bible. Like this is what got on Jesus's last nerve. It was the religious people. They were called the Pharisees. And they drove Jesus crazy. And Jesus's grace <laughs> drove them crazy. So I'm sorry. And if you can relate to that first line, I've carried this burden too long. I just want to wrap up today and let you know, and here's the, here's the last thing, you matter to God. Say that with me. You matter to God. One more time, really strong. You matter to God. Like you do. Don't, don't start to, you know, redirect it. No, no, no. You matter to God. When I, when I say God searches for those, he searches for you. When I say come as you are, he says to you, come as you are. Quit letting the things you've learned or heard or maybe you've you put on yourself keep you distance from God. Come as you are. Why? Because grace happens. Why? Because you matter to God and you will never lock eyes with anyone who doesn't matter to God. So I really feel the spirit of God moving right now in this moment and I don't know where you are but God knows where you are. And it's not a coincidence that you're here today. And maybe, maybe, maybe you've struggled with your faith and, and maybe you're just not sure. And I don't know if you know this, but there's this guy in the Bible. His name is Thomas. And, and we have historically called him Doubting Thomas because Thomas doubted whether Jesus actually rose from the dead. And Thomas is like, dude, I'll believe it when I see the scars. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes and says, yo, here's my scars. He didn't say yo, but you know. So here's my scars. You matter to me, Thomas. A few years ago, I, I, I saw a couple. They were on the, the news, national news on television, and they just got married, and she, she needed a kidney. And uh, after they got married, she realized this, and the doctors kind of checked it out, and lo and behold, his kidney was compatible with her. And so he did what any good husband would do, right, guys? He said, yo, take my kidney. And so she did, and it was successful. And the interviewer asked them how they were doing and asked her what she felt about it. And she got emotional, and she said, I've never been so loved. And she said, every time I feel the scar where they took his kidney. Look at what it says. For the rest of our lives, when I hug him and I feel his scar, I will know how much I matter to him. Jesus said to Thomas, 
And it lives in the word. And he's saying to you, you matter to me. So I want to invite you today to run to the Father. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're back for the first time or you just started coming back to church after this long 18-month hiatus. And you've been, if you were just honest with yourself, this is between you and God, not me. You've kind of wandered out in the far country. You've been a little prodigal. And you know that the Spirit of God has been ministering to you today to run to the Father. You know that the Spirit of God is saying, come home. Come to me. And it might be the 10th time you've done it. It might be the 20th time you've done it. I've rededicated my life to God so many times. Or you might be here today. And the truth is, all of this is really new to you. And it sounds really, really good. And you actually want to run to the Father now and be saved. Like you, you want to come into a relationship with God. You want to experience some of this grace. You want to know that your life is being redeemed and is saved by a gracious, loving God who cares deeply about you. So I want to invite you to come to the Father. To metaphorically, if you will, run to the Father. Follow the example of the prodigal and run home. Will you pray with me? Father, I never get tired of the gospel message. I never get tired of the grace and the truth that we see in you and through you and how that was put on display. The ultimate sign was the cross where you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to bleed and die. And you tell us in John three sixteen, for you so loved the world that whoever believes in him, Jesus, shall not die, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So Father, I want to invite your beautiful children to run to you. There are people right now who need to come out of the far country. They need to come out of, the, of being a prodigal and run to a prodigal God who, who looks out and waits for us to come home. And if that's you and you just know you need to come to the Father. Or maybe for the first time, you've never actually had a moment where you've said, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. And I'm dirty and I've fallen short of your glory. And I've been out there like the prodigal, but I'm going to run to you. And I'm going to trust that what that guy is up there saying is true. And that you will receive me and redeem me. And give me purpose and forgiveness and eternal life. And I just sense right now that you are drawing me home. You are drawing me to you. If that's you, I want to pray specifically for you. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? All head, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up. I want to pray for you. Yes. Lift it up high. This is between. Yeah, I see you folks in the back. Hold them up. I'm, I'm actually going to do something unusual. I'm going to count them. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Just, just hold them up high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Keep them up high. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 
Keep praying, church. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Balcony, hold them high. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Brother got both hands raised. I'm gonna count you as one, though. 32, 33, 34. Keep your hands up. Reach out to God. Nobody's looking. This between you and God. I see you because I can pray for you. If you're online, you're in a family room somewhere, or you're, you're in your kitchen, or maybe you're in a park somewhere watching this on your phone, lift your hands up high. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. If that's you and your hands are lifted up, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I know I'm not perfect, but I need your grace. I need your purpose. I need your redemption. I need you to clean my life up. And I look forward to spending all of eternity with you. Come into my life today. Say this to him. Come into my life to stay. And when I fall short, Lord Jesus, I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to remember this passage. And I'm going to run to you, Father knowing that I will receive grace upon grace upon grace. You are my Lord and Savior. I am yours, a child of the Most High God. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Now come in and transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Thank you, Father God. Thank you.